0: Sports are a facilitator of gifts, and God is the giver of gifts. The sports are facilitator of identity. God is our identity. And so I think we just have to make sure we see those clearly as it relates to the two different types of structure that life has. You know, really, we either take our identity in Christ or we take it in something other than Christ. And so, again, sports are are great activities, but they're very bad gods.
1: Sports are a significant part of society. They have been a mainstay in students' lives for decades and provides numerous benefits. But it appears sports has only demanded more time and commitment in students' schedules. So how do we not see sports as a competition with our faith, but to see how our faith can be present in our athletic competitions? I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer. And this is The Thought Factory. The Thought Factory Podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. Welcome to the Thought Factory Podcast. We are glad that you have chosen to take the time out of your day to listen to us. As always, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, to get notifications of when each episode is released. I am sure you are well aware of how notifications work. I just wanted to remind you that we are on multiple platforms, so go ahead and search Thought Factory Podcast, and you will find us on whatever platform that you enjoy listening podcasts on. We took a week off from our normal schedule to enjoy some time away, so if you have missed us too much, I hope you went and re-listened to a past episode to get your fix Here on the Thought Factory, we love to discuss thoughts in regards to students, youth, adolescents, whatever you may call them in your circle. The Thought Factory is mainly geared towards those working with students in some capacity. But our hope is that our episodes could also benefit anyone who wants to learn more about students. Our episodes range in types of topics, so you don't have to necessarily work with students to get some sort of insight. But ultimately, our desire is to at least get you to think about the topics that we present. And if you have listened to the Thought Factory for some time, you may have already heard us talk about the research we do with students and adult leaders. We attempt to get students' thoughts on various topics in hopes that it can benefit our work with students. We have surveyed over 3,000 middle school and high school students across the country, plus over 500 adults. If you are interested in seeing some of that research, go to neverthesame.org podcast to get our Adolescents in the Church trend report for free. That is our gift to you for simply listening to us. We are currently working on the 2019-2020 trend report and we'll be releasing it later this summer. So be on the lookout for that in the near future. All updated research, new topics, things to just get us thinking about the adolescents in the church. If you have not listened to our last episode, we discussed students and their sleep habits, asking the question if phones affect their sleep, what time they go to sleep, and discussing the concept of Sabbath, taking time to rest, to disengage from our digital devices and conversations that we may have with our friends online and just simply rest and not have a filled schedule, but to relax. What does that look like? And next week's episode features Julie Morgenstern, a New York best-selling author and expert on productivity, time management, organization. We are discussing students and their schedules, attempting to help them manage the demands in their life as students feel like there is not enough time to complete everything they are expected to do in a day. It is worth your time to listen to that episode. I hope that you will join us next week for it because there is some incredible insight that Julie provides that can be applied immediately, not only to students' lives, but to adults. I know I took away A lot of insight from just listening to Julie. So I hope you join us next week for that episode. And for today, we have Jack Easterby on our podcast. If you are unfamiliar with Jack or if that name doesn't even ring a bell for you, it might be because he has been described as the most influential New England Patriot that you've never heard of. He was the Patriots character coach was widely praised within the team and a part of the last three Super Bowl winners. He has since joined the Houston Texans since we spoke with him on the phone. So as of April 2nd, Jack is the team's executive vice president of team development. We are excited to have Jack's thoughts on the impact sports has in students' lives and how we pair it with the faith we desire to see them live out.
2: Okay, Jack, it's great to have you with us here today. We want to start with just learning about who you are. Tell us about your background. Tell us about your faith journey in your life.
0: Well, I think we all, if we're honest about our evaluation of ourselves and, and we know who God is, we're really some dirt He's been good to. That's what I try to describe myself as, is just some dirt that He's been good to And my life. has uh, been an amazing testimony of the Holy Spirit and what God has done and what God can do um, and his power, um, grew up in a Christian home with great parents and grandparents around us in Columbia, South Carolina, and was taught so many things of who Christ is and what he's about. And, um, just learned from a youth group and from a great church in in Columbia about who God was, but didn't know him. You know, I was, I was, uh, probably, um, not on the team, but I was at the game, you know? And so I was a spectator. I was a fan, not a follower. And, um, through some identity crises in college, really had a teammate, uh, roommate share Christ with me and began to take me to FCA and take me to tons of different college things. And, and Lord really did a work in my life in college there, playing basketball at Newberry College. And um, I began to see who God really was. He got involved in a local church, got involved with a bunch of campus ministries where I ended up meeting my wife and Yeah, and so uh, the Holy Spirit came in and did a did a wrecking ball on who I was and who I wasn't. Just was uh, changed from the inside out, and then began to have a passion for sports ministry, for ministry in general, to share the good news of Christ with others, and um, been doing that ever since. And so, really, it's it's most Christian story is you know I was lost and then I was found. I was blind and now I see. And so God has done amazing work uh, through a teammate, uh, originally a, a, a roommate, um, to show me who he is and, and what he's all about.
1: Now, I believe you were a basketball player, am I correct? Yes. In yeah, college? I
0: actually played basketball and golf in college. It's an interesting combination. I'm not sure I was good at either one.
1: Though. <laughs> well, first of all, congratulations on the Super Bowl win for the Patriots. With you being a basketball player, how did you become connected with the NFL and as well as the New England Patriots?
0: Oh, that's a great question. So um, it's funny uh, for you guys, theme and sports, this is a good story, sports and time and how time overlaps sports. When I was in high school, uh, again, wasn't a believer, but went to Young Life. Young Life was um, a uh, ministry there in Columbia that helped high school students with transitions and relationships and uh, gave us some groups to hang out with. And one of my young life leaders was a guy named Stephen Drummond, who uh, ended up uh, just mentoring me, coming to my basketball games. And um, when I went to college, he kept with me. And then he worked actually in the NFL while I played basketball in college. He worked for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then he transitioned from Jacksonville to the Carolina Panthers And, um, he gave me my first job when I graduated college, he, um, brought me down to Jacksonville and, uh, gave me an opportunity to work in salary cap management down there for the Jaguars. So, uh, yeah, it was a ministry, a youth ministry opportunity, even though I wasn't a believer at the time, the relaxed, uh, nature of his example of who he was and his mentorship through sports and through, um, youth ministry, uh, overlapped us and then transitioned me from uh, basketball to football from a career standpoint. But um, I, I've been on and off with different sports throughout my career. So I don't know if it's always been just football, um, but uh, have had a passion for sports in general. Um, but the most recent success in the NFL, I think, came from Stevens' uh, passion for football and his um, giving me a, an entry point there in Jacksonville.
2: And so your most recent stint here has been as the character coach and also working with team development for the Patriots. So tell us about, in that role, what your day-to-day responsibilities look like. What were you doing in that role with the Patriots?
0: Yeah, I think for for me, Bill and Robert both had an amazing vision to bring me in to serve the players and the coaches and to try to help them um, uh, with anything and everything that might – get out in front of potential challenges and things that may uh, be in the building. Obviously my number one goal as a Christian is always to represent Christ, to know him and make him known. Um, And I think that uh, the goal is to try to become in my um, uh, current position and my, what they've given me um, is to just try to serve in a way that brings God glory uh, in any way possible. That's through writing handwritten notes or giving guys posters or, having Bible studies or chapels or motivational talks with the whole team or um, having small group meetings to help people transition into the town. Um, You know, there's tons of different examples, but really just be a fire extinguisher, you know, be a fire extinguisher, find ways to put any potential tensions or fires out that uh, could get in the way of progress for the team and get in the way of progress for people as they grow and become their best.
2: Jack, as we're talking about students and, and sports, obviously sports, it seems like with, we're going to get into this a little bit later, but with the rise of and the prominence of sports leagues and travel teams, that's become such a big part of uh, a lot of students' upbringing and lives. Let's talk for a minute just about students and faith. How important are sports, as a, as a believer, what role should sports play in the life of a student?
0: Well, let me let me go back to what you said. I mean, there'll never be anything more important than Christ to a student. There, there'll never be anything more important. So there's not any sort of circumstance where anybody could cast me a, a kid who needs this or needs that, or this is his way out, or this is the way he's you know could make it, or if we do this or that. There'll never be a situation where something's more important for a young man, a young woman, a student than jesus the most important thing is always christ it will always be jesus and that'll be true a million years from now and it was true a million years from today backwards so i think that's the first construct you have to make when you go to look at sports and and the role that it has if anything within sports causes you to compromise your faith or your convictions and who you are or your relationship with christ you have to be very careful that and maybe should you know abstain from that. So there'll never be anything more important than Christ. So sports play a role in our culture. They play, play a role in our sanctification. They play a role in our growth uh, in knowing who God is and knowing who the body of Christ is. And sports have a great way to point us to lessons that God teaches from attitude to collaboration and cooperation with teammates. And there's so many things that, that ooze Jesus that are in sports but I still think that sports are a facilitator of gifts and God is the giver of gifts. The sports are facilitator of identity. God is our identity. And so I think we just have to make sure we see those clearly as it relates to the two different types of structure that life has. You know, really we either take our identity in Christ or we take it in something other than Christ. And so Again, sports are are great activities, but they're very bad gods. And so I think we just have to make sure we keep our eyes on what the right thing is. And in our current culture, sports have become a big deal. But that's a good thing because sports are great for our culture and camaraderie. And uh, again, collaboration and and cooperation and teaches us a lot of, of great principles but it, it's never been intended at any level for God to allow anything, much less sports, to become God for us. So, yeah, I think as a young person, um, I think we all uh, make decisions. Our parents make decisions that help us hopefully layer our life accordingly. And I would just say that, you know, we never want to compromise making sports someone's identity and uh, there's several ways to do that that we can talk about. But I think, you know, again, sports are a great facilitator identity, but they just can't be our identity.
1: You obviously have coached at the highest level in the NFL and interacted with professional athletes. But talk to us about how have you seen the landscape of sports change in regards to the demand on kids' life, starting young and going through middle school and high school the the you mentioned that the sports have become more important talk to us about that landscape have you seen that change over the course of time
0: yeah i mean i think i have i mean obviously growing up playing basketball and golf and sports around columbia and around south carolina and the South southeast you know we definitely had travel sports we had things that were you know travel teams and aau and different things but but it certainly wasn't on the scale it is now. Um, you know, I don't see that as a negative. I, I, I just don't. I think those things are great for cultures where people are forced out of their comfort zone to learn other cultures, to work with other people, to learn people around their neighborhoods and cities and in our nation. Again, I just see the challenge of identity being put in that and how quickly we can sometimes put our identity in the travel team we play for or, how good our son is at a sport or maybe uh, the coach and and how good the coach is or the coach himself putting his identity and how good he is as a coach. So uh, it has changed. I think sports has become more important. But if you look at 40 years ago, when people wanted to be bankers or stockbrokers rather than sometimes athletes, or when someone wanted to do a different job, uh, I think that uh, we're exploratory by nature. God made us to be people of vision. He made us to be people of dreams. People dream dreams. That's a good thing. I think the question is just, what are the dreams about? And recently in our culture, we've seen that kids grow up dreaming to be great athletes, and there's nothing wrong with that as long as that dream is not placed into their identity, because the only dream that we really want to affirm in children uh, as relates to Christianity or our faith is their dream should be to honor God and to use their gifts and whatever he's given them to honor him and make him known. And so, again, I just I think that the increase in popularity in sports is a great thing for our society because it keeps keeps us active, it keeps us outside, it keeps us many times in nature, it keeps us collaborating with people. And but it just can't be our identity because the identity of sports is always going to change, and God never changes.
2: Your your perspective, Jack, is so powerful. I love hearing that too. The positivity because. Yeah, having a parent um, that encouraged me to, to be in sports when I was young, and then being a parent now and having three daughters that have been uh, involved as athletes in a different, multiple sports—it's I've seen it do so many good things for them. And I think one of the things that all of us, as adults, especially parents, are trying to figure out right now is time. How do we, how do we balance everything? And I know for a period, a few years. I was almost felt like a full time chauffeur for my daughters and their sports and all their activities. Talk to the parents here. How do we help because like you, I think it's great for students to be in sports. The challenge sometimes goes back to the the time thing. How do you help parents like what would you say to them to help balance some of the demands on all of our time and especially when it comes with students, the stress levels they're feeling? Speak to that a little bit. What do you say about, about parents trying to help students balance their time?
0: Well, I think what you said and I think what you did, which I think is very, very powerful there, is assess the, the bigger questions in the way that we know uh, we can get an answer that will actually make a difference in the people's lives. So when you're a parent and you're trying to say, my children play sports uh, here in Massachusetts, but you have to ask two different questions when it relates to sports and, and your schedule and, and how many sports are we doing and what teams are we playing on and what days are those practice and all that stuff, you, you, you first have to ask the why, and then you have to ask the what. And I think that we ask the why, if we ask why do we play sports or why do we do anything, right? That should hopefully expose our heart, whether it's why you eat at certain restaurants or why you go to certain places or you go to a church or why you have certain friends the why always matters most Mm. right and so one of the things i would say is when you neglect the why why do we play sports why do we why are we on teams why are we active why do we go to games and and make our family support this initiative of sports if you neglect the why then you will the what will always take you down and i think culturally what you're hitting on right there as it relates to having 10 practices and and kind of becoming the chauffeur and never feeling like you're ever slowing down, I think that that's when the what has become more important than the why. And so I would just say that would be, to me, two different categories. The why is that God has given us bodies that function in a way that's absolutely fantastic. I mean, to be able, if you think about what it takes for a human being to run or for a human being to swim or throw a ball, I mean, that within itself brings God so much glory for a human being to be able to, you know, run a 4.340 or or to backpedal and turn around and catch a ball or to hit a tennis ball or a golf ball. That that within itself is a feat that brings God glory. Eye-hand coordination, that should be the why. The why is we do everything we do for God's glory and sports are a way that we bring God glory it's not about how many people are watching. If it's a t-ball game, the eye-hand coordination of a young man or a young woman hitting a baseball or softball can bring God glory. That brings God glory. So our why should always be addressed. So if you're a parent, you're trying to say, well, how do I get this, reel this back in? How do I get my kids to focus on the things, you know, you need to address the why in your family, not just the what, not just the the what practice is next or what team we're on or what college we're going to visit it needs to be about the why and so you need to every day when you articulate to your kids when they get out of your car and go to practice you need to say the why and even if you feel cheesy if you feel like you you're repeating the message every day to put uh things on their wristbands you need to put why you need to reinstitute the why in every action and that's you know, as a family, we should be our goal of all activities, not just sports. When you get to the what and you evaluate the what and you say, OK, uh, now I'm decided we're going to play travel volleyball and we're going to do this and, and we're going to do it. I think the what needs to be understood that not only is it just a what and not a why, the what itself is is going to be an opportunity for you as a person to discipline and grow your child or your family in things that are going to have long-term impacts on your family not short-term so you have to think about the the what as a long-term uh, initiative not as a short-term or seasonal objective so and and by that I mean if playing on 8 teams right and having a a game every night and a practice every night, you are the what of that is not just as a kid is eight or nine years old, you're creating in them a desire to have that type of schedule the rest of their lives. And so you're shaping that. What is now shaping them for not just today, but also for 10 years from now when they get to college, when they're working on their own careers so, I would say to you, the what needs to be understanding that the what is not limited to the current what but the what becomes a pattern for all whats if that makes any sense mm-hmm. and good. so I would just say you you need to make sure that the why has to be intact, okay, and the what has to be seen as a long term what and not a short term what and you know um, I think that good parents they can have their kids in several activities and still do a great job and point to Jesus and everything and make sure that the what is lined up with a long-term skill that they understand. And, you know, there are seasons of life that you're more busy than than not. uh, And I totally understand that as well. But the what has to understand you're creating patterns. You're not just doing one practice or one job or one teaching assignment. You're you're doing a a lifetime of it and you want to make sure that's always under control. You got to understand in addition to what we talked about with parents making a decision on their children and playing sports and all that stuff. We need to lower the expectation of the coaches or the administrators to, the coaches, administrators will not, will not be giving your kids the why. They might be, you might play for a godly head coach. Who's awesome. And that's great. And you may play for a coach who doesn't know the Lord. Either way, as a parent, you can't expect the coaches to be giving your kid the why. So if a child, is going to school like just an activity like school or an activity like playing professional sports or, or you know, semi-pro sports or whatever? Just remember, I think as a parent, it's our job to give them the why, not let the children wait till the coach does that. Because And then sometimes parents get mad at coaches that don't do that. And again, that's an expectation we can't have of our coaches. The coach's job is to coach and lead and be accountable to the standards in which that entity has given him, not to establish the why for our children. Uh, That's a parent's job. And I would say I've heard a lot of parents get mad at coaches because they won't do a devotion or they won't do this. And that's a blessing, not a requirement. And so it's the parent's job to institute the why when the child gets out of your car or is under your roof or you're traveling on a Sunday and you want to do a devotion or whatever. That's the parent's job, not the coach's job. If the coach does it, that's a blessing but not a requirement. But as a parent, it is your requirement to remind everyone of the why and why you're doing what you're doing and the fact that God has given you gifts and that you do everything for an audience of one and all those types of things.
1: Defining the why is so key in so many areas of our lives as well. You know, you speak about making sure that they know the why is so beneficial in just guiding in leadership and letting people know why are they gathering? Why are they even meeting? Why are they Here, what's the purpose? But speaking to students, then, what would be some encouragement for those students who are serious about their faith and heavily involved with sports and they have to choose between these two activities as the demand increases, as sports travel teams take over weekends, and the student can no longer uh, attend a youth group gathering? Uh, Talk to the students that have to make that choice. And they may know the why, but what encouragement can we give to them without necessarily telling them that they have to be a, I don't know, Tim Tebow and, you know, be completely out with their faith and vocal about their faith and and verbal about their faith and their posture is about their faith. Not saying that's wrong, but uh, sometimes students go,es I don't necessarily want to be like that with my faith. I just want to play sports. So what what encouragement can we give to the students? On the student side,
0: I love what you're saying there is relative to, I think that one of the things that I've, I've tried to institute in, in all the ministries that I've uh, rubbed shoulders with and I've learned from a lot of people is the idea, instead of looking at what someone else is doing from a Christian sports perspective or from a Christian church perspective, I would say, Every person, and I think this is very important that students understand this, every person has a story. So every person, whether you're talking about a celebrity athlete or you're talking about a singer or you're talking about, you know, even a coach or whatever, every person has a story. And there is one guarantee of every person's story, that there is nobody else who has that story. So your story is extremely unique to you. And the guarantee of your story being unique is also a segue to a dependency that you must rely on something bigger than you to allow your story to unfold in a way that honors God. So your story is unique and you have to trust God in order for your story to unfold in the way that God wants it to unfold. So I would say to you, to a student who's thinking about like a plan and how do I play and what do I get to church and Bible study and how do I make time for devotions or how do I understand you, you cannot, and, and you will not re- reach the fullness of who God is and what God is doing in your life or in culture in general. If you don't spend time with him and you don't find ways to understand his character, who he is and why he's made this earth that we live in. And so again, the first premise is everybody has a story and in order to realize your potential and realize God's glory in your story you have to be dependent on him. Now, what does that mean when when things come clashing down and you've got a choice to make between event A and event B? To me, the decision is, is God's story in my life going to be impacted in both my dependency on him and also my gifts being glorifying him if I choose to leave this out or I choose to do this activity? So if I leave it out, or if I choose to do it. And for me, the litmus test is if you leave out things that bring you closer to God all the time and you do things that make you not depend on him, then eventually you're not going to depend on him and you're going to leave him out. So we need as as a student to evaluate, I have to put things in my life that make me depend on God and make me see God and make me draw attention to God Bible study, chapel, concerts, leadership conferences, go and listen to speakers, FCA, Athletes in Action, all these ministries, I need to make a a conscious choice that I can't leave God out and expect my relationship with God to grow. So I think when you're saying, do I choose to go to youth group or do I choose to go to sports? I think that we steal the opportunity for athletes and, and kids to depend on God themselves if we make the choice where one is the king and the other one's going to be not important. But I would say on a case-by-case basis, your evaluation should be, is this going to help me know God and make him known? And you can't know God and make him known without direct times and opportunities that allow you to see God for who he is and, and get to know him better. And so, again, if you're playing sports 25 times a week and you're spending time with God one time a week, that's a bad matchup.
2: Yeah, it's good. good. I am. <clears throat> I've got a, a, a scenario I want to present to you, and I, I'm interested in what you're going to say. And I'll give you a little background. So recently, I'm friends with a person who was in a room with a, a major denomination in, in the United States, and they're worldwide, but their top leader, talking about trends uh, of their denomination, of just the church in general, particularly America. And they, he was saying to this room of leaders sports leagues and and travel teams are I don't know what his terminology was, but basically they're they're having a, a pretty drastic effect on their church attendance. And and I've seen this personally too where as a youth pastor in the past I would have some of my sharpest students. As you know, athletes are typically your leadership and your influential students. They'd be out of pocket for maybe eight or ten weeks because they're part of a a league or a travel team, and and I found myself in that scenario uh, a few years ago, surprisingly, uh, on a Sunday morning, and and I was raised, you know, we went to church every Sunday, and, and that was just part of who we were, and our rhythm, and then being a pastor, and I wonder what you would say, you know, to parents, I think this is a big struggle, and I'll be honest too, Jack, like, everything you're saying, I agree with, the one struggle that I have personally is knowing that one of the things that travel leagues in particular are doing is it's knocking out some of our best and brightest out of our Wednesdays or our Sunday youth youth meetings, and these students are more disconnected from a, a community of faith in their church. And also there's the Sabbath principle that we're to live with where, you know, we're not to run 24-7. What are, your, what are your reactions to that and some of the challenges that we're facing to make these key decisions, because at some point, you obviously you can't say yes to everything, and so I'm thinking particularly of of parents that are saying, "Well, I can put my student in this league, uh, in this travel team, and they might that might may mean we're gone for the next ten weekends, and they're going to be you know missing maybe something in their community with their church or a, a trip or whatever." How do you how do you speak to that? How do you reconcile some of those things? I'm just curious what your thoughts are.
0: I would say as a as a as a prism. So what you're talking about there is a, is, an, is more of a issue. Like okay, here's an issue. These this stuff is kind of challenging our current model of church and all that. I would say if you look at throughout all of history. So if you take away the current status and millennials or you know generation IY even all the way up to baby boomers. And you just say, what would God want? You know, I would say if you look out all throughout history, okay, God would never want us to make something else so important that it causes us to change who he meant us to be so that we could fit it in. So that doesn't matter what we're talking about. If we're talking about being a stockbroker, we're talking about being an athlete, like God would never want us to, to, fit something else into such an important slot that we have to compromise our relationship with him and put that other entity in such a big space in our life that we can't make a decision without considering it. And what I would say is when I hear a lot of parents tell me about their child's sports or their child's schedule, a lot of times I hear, well, he has to blank. He has to do this because if he doesn't do that, then he's not going to be on this team. Or if he has to do And that's where I I see the prisoner of a decision being made based on something else being so important that God couldn't do it unless he plays on this certain team. And listen, I would like to speak to that real quickly on a personal testimony. You know, I was blessed to be on full scholarship for four years in college, and I played two sports. I was blessed to win championships in each sport or have a chance to play for a championship in both sports. And my family growing up with the church every Sunday and I did some travel things, but my dad's rule was once a month, we could do something, but not every, not every Sunday. And on Sunday morning, preferably he wanted us there. And then Sunday night, uh, if we had something that we had to miss. We, we could do it once a month. So, you know, and I would say, I mean, listen, I don't know who's measuring what standard, but I would say my life's turned out. Okay. from the sports perspective. So <laughs> I mean, listen, I just think that the need to compromise from a prisoner standpoint of of the schedule is definitely something I would teach that, you know, we're definitely not in, uh, we're not a prisoner to schedules, we're not a prisoner to AU teams, we can't be a prisoner to these schedules, but to me, this is where I would say the more practical side that I would advise for a parent, and this is what my wife and I are kind of going through now, is when you're younger, and I mean six through 10, okay, six, six through 11, let's just say, because I think there's some 12 some year old sports that start changing on a multitude of scales based on my research. But what I would say to you is you really need to be in a gift assessment mode for your children. You need to be, what does the gift assessment of my child look like? Do my kids, what do they do when, they just, when you just give them free time? What do they do? Do they sing? Do they dance? Do they go play with a ball? What do they do? And give them a bunch of different options where you're putting them in. And that's one thing the church is great at. That's one thing youth groups are great at is letting kids play a multitude of activities and watch what lights them up. You know, I always laugh about the process of photosynthesis, and it's a cheesy example, but I always teach this to, to a lot of leaders. As I say, if you look at photosynthesis, it starts with light and it ends with oxygen, Right. It starts with eye light and ends at oxygen because God intends for us to have revelation and then we have inspiration. And so for uh, us as human beings're we're, we're human beings, not human doings. We, we need to have revelation from God and that results in us being inspired by God and inspiring others around us. So uh, for younger children, you know you may play in a youth league, you may play in a team, you may play on a you know, whatever, but again, if, if you have to miss something when a kid's 8, 9, 10 years old, you know, and they've got a game and your family's doing something, in those early child development years, you, you can't compromise that because you're still in a gift assessment mode. You, you, you can't say, well, this is a certain way that we got to do it because the league or because of that. I just don't feel that's that's necessary at all because you don't even know that child's gift set yet. And to be a prisoner of that that early, you're really teaching them that those things really are God. Even though you say God is God, you're teaching them that. And so we've been very careful. Our kids don't come to all the games. You know, my wife is very careful with what we do uh, during the season. And so I can just speak to a person, personal testimony that it's not ever going to be perfect. But in those early years, you know, let's call it pre-12, you're really in a gift assessment situation, not in a schedule mode relative to activities. Once you get to middle school, 12, 13, 14, I do think identity becomes an issue in the, in the human. So, you know, you're going through adolescence, you're going through puberty, you're going through things where you need something that keeps you motivated. Practice playing on a team can sometimes be hugely advantageous, you know, to distractions and potential alcohol and drug distractions for a, for a, a teenager. And so I would say the activity at that point is something that you want your child to be involved in. But again, it's not the what, it's, I'm assuming it's not a why, it's just a what. And at that point, I would be very closely monitoring their involvement in those types of things so that they see the opportunity to get better at something and be disciplined in something and learn principles of God, not so that they can be, a pro baseball player or pro golfer, you know, you don't want to sell like you're the next Tiger Woods because the reality is there's a potential your child will never even play high school golf or high school, you know, tennis or high school baseball. So you want to sell in those, those, those adolescent years, you want to, you want to sell, Hey, let's just get better today. Let's go hit some golf balls or let's go throw some baseballs, but let's just get better today. So you want to sell in those identities crisis years that you just want them to get better. And then when you get to high school or late late middle school, early in high school, and you really have a gift and you're starting to hone in on that gift, I think that's when you really want to share how God has gifted you and how God is going to be the source of all of your gifts and how you're facing a lot of things that you're going to need God to get through. And you want to use sports as a way to show discipline and temptation and discipline and in, in, body control and discipline and decision-making so that you can correlate that with life. Okay. You're not going to do this drug because you got to be able to, you know, do right by your teammates and do right by God. And so you're able to use that as a, as a decision-making prism to hopefully help them become the best they can be in their lives. But so to me, young, younger than 12, is just to get assessments and seeing what they love to do. Middle school, getting them an activity they can do to keep them, you know, a little bit distracted from the changes in their body and the changes in their mind. And then in, in high school, and, and, and it's more of an opportunity to give them a chance to, to have temptation be alleviated and something to get excited about and to put their encouragement and energy into. But it's, it's never should center, center the family, it should never control the family. And it should never be the main reason that the family is doing anything. And if it is, then it's very dangerous for the family structure and for the the country, as you guys have identified.
2: That's powerful. That's so good. And we appreciate your insight. And I think the most important question that I can think of to ask you today to wrap up is this. I'll give you a quick little background. I grew up in Indianapolis, okay? So you maybe know where I'm going. What are the chances this upcoming NFL season? that the Indianapolis Colts are going to win it all.
0: (laughs) You want a number percentage? He laughs. Of course he laughs. What What are you looking for?
2: I want to know what what you think.
0: I'll tell you this. Frank Wright is one of the most godly men I have ever met in any profession. He loves Jesus in a very transparent way. And obviously was president of RTS Seminary there in Charlotte. And I would say that people should look closely in the Christian community at Frank's leadership because his his leadership and the way he carries himself is uh, tremendously authentic, and he would be somebody I'd want my son or daughter to play for. Indianapolis Colts and Chris Ballard did an outstanding job to get Frank there and to get him employed uh, because I think he'll make a difference in a lot of people's lives and, and, and impact the kingdom in a way that's special, so I would just say, I know so many of their players, you know, obviously Kenny Moore and Jacoby Bursett were guys that played here and transitioned to there. And I love those guys. They both love the Lord are good people. And Chris Ballard is a great person who I would, you know, uh, encourage anyone to pull for as it relates to how he leads and carries himself as a, as a man of God and as a person. So, uh, and their chaplain's a great guy that I met several times and is doing right by them as a local church pastor there. So, Man, I got some great things going on the Colts. And, uh, you know, my goal is always that they just have to do everything right and have one less point than we do.
2: Yeah, exactly. I know. You guys have broken our hearts way too many times. And I loved your answer, except they didn't really give me an answer. But I'm going to let you slide <laughs> on that because that's okay. Uh, you said some good things about the
0: Colts. That's good. <laughs> hey, well, listen, I'll tell you this. Like, if you just want to talk pure football for a second here, I mean, your division, that division has is, is become, I mean, listen, four years ago, the AFC South was, a, was a whole different place. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so for sure. I think if uh, we'll see what happens with this quarterback situation in Jacksonville, but I I would say, you know, what, what you've got there and potentially and, and Mike Vrabel and, and uh, Billy O'Brien. And then, you know, obviously we just talked about Indianapolis situation and then the whole Jacksonville structure, I think has got some great football minds uh, with coach Coughlin and, and all those guys. So I think, I mean, you really have put together four teams that, you know, to get out of your division is really a feat. Yeah, it's different than what it was two,
2: three years ago. That's for sure.
0: Oh, no question. And you saw that this year with two teams making the playoffs. Yeah. uh, So I think if you can host a game and you can get to – you can make somebody come to Indianapolis in the first round, you always give yourself a chance. I think that Andrew Luck's uh, extremely gifted, and we saw that with a a great offense and a good simple scheme that he – could do well in a lot of different settings and I think that um, you guys were banged up early in the year and you came back and you played strong and um, yeah
2: amazing I season
0: I, I would say if you said Super Bowl I would say I think that the Super Bowl there's only two teams every year so I
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's not including the <laughs> don't, <United> e- Colts. <laughs> don't even say it
0: don't even say unlikely the words. To, to very unlikely but <laughs> overall man listen the better team and uh, I think you guys will be in in the mix for years to come.
2: No, so if they make it to the Super Bowl, I think we need to have you back next year and just talk about it.
0: Repent? <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's good. Hey, Jack, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate and we're honored that you would spend time with us. Would you mind sharing what's next for you?
0: Well, let me just say this. First of all, I think what you guys are trying to do is, is I mentioned that my uh, staff has done research on you guys and that's why I don't do many interviews, but I felt this was important because of what you guys are trying to do and um, you know, I would say some of the, th- the questions you asked and the way you guys were doing this, I just want to encourage parents and anybody out there that w- we have one thing that God of the universe is asking us all the time. And that is, do you trust me? That's what he's asking. Mm-hmm. You know, he's asking us that over and over. Do you trust me in our marriage? Do you trust me in decisions for your children? Do you trust me in what church you go to? Do you trust me in where you travel? Do you trust me in your finances? Do you trust me? And I would just say, let's answer that question as much as possible with a resounding yes. So that God knows, even though he knows our hearts, that God knows that there are people all over the universe, including where you guys are there, uh, connected to him and want to make him known through everything that they do. Uh, that's that's the yeah. one thing that I would say, just that's as great. encouragement. Uh, every intersection, every choice you make is going to reflect the answer that you make to that question, do you trust me? And you just need to say, yes, Lord, we trust you enough that he's going to miss this practice to go to Bible study. And, yes, we trust you enough that he's going to go to this Bible this practice because his coach is a Christian and there's some good things going on in their team. And I I don't think to make one choice on anything and eliminate – you'll never eliminate all sin. You'll never eliminate all probability that your kids won't know Jesus – but you can surely eliminate all probability that things will go right. If you don't answer that question, do you trust me with a resounding yes? So that would be my per- uh, thought. I just would love to leave you guys with. And and then also, I think as you continue to make these things known, a- and as you guys continue to do things that you're doing research and looking at stats, you know, I think let the Holy Spirit unfold in your wisdom in which the research will yield ways to be glory reflectors and not glory seekers. You know, we we just can't allow our children and our children's children to chase glory. You know, Mm. if they're chasing glory, then they're just going to be disappointed. They're going to have tons Mm -hmm. of anxiety. They're going to be, and that's one of the whole, everybody gets a trophy philosophies that just is dangerous for our children is it can't be about a trophy. It can't even be about winning. It's got to be about playing your best. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a coach one time who is a prominent coach that I'll leave his name out, but his team played in the national championship. And he said to me, they lost. And he said to me, Jack, I think I failed my team because they all thought we had to win the national championship for us to be successful. And I should be telling them that God requires their best. That's what he requires. And so you just, as a parent, as an athlete, you want to do your best. Don't, don't do it for the trophy. Don't do it for the money. Don't do it for the status. Don't do it for the Twitter followers. Do it because it's your best. Mm-hmm. And I think if your life, if you look in the rearview mirror of your life and you just see a bunch of times where you did your best, uh, I think you'll find a way to really look back at your life and say that was a well-lived life, no matter what you end up being, an astronaut or an athlete. I think those are two principles there that I just want to encourage you guys with. You know, God, do you trust me? And am I giving my best?
2: Yeah. That's Thanks the for your encouragement you. for what we're doing, too. We appreciate And we we really respect and admire the work that you're doing. You know, we've researched you a little bit, and I've heard about you in the past. And we're grateful for the faith that you live by in in you know in the circles that God's taken you. And clearly, uh, He's trusted you with some incredible um, opportunities and influence, and and just be encouraged in what you're doing as well. Because uh, clearly, God's using you, and and we're grateful. It's encouraging for us to see that as well. And we we know and believe that uh, the words you've spoken today will. Will really go far to speak to a lot of us as adults. that are trying to do our best to help students these days. So
0: thank you again. Do it, do it. All right. Well, let's talk soon. And uh, if there's anything I can do for you and your 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 podcast or your ministry, if we press forward, you guys got my number and, and reach out. Okay. Yeah. Great. Sounds good. Thank you, Jack. Thanks, Jack. God bless. Okay.
1: The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org.
0: We're going to do a bonus segment here,
2: Claim Your Campus 2020, like we normally do. We've got Chris McFarland. He joined us on our bonus segment last time. Chris, you've been a part of some big, major events across the country. You've seen God do pretty remarkable things in these moments, and you've you've directed events with hundreds of thousands of people. You're coming alongside us with Claim Your Campus 2020. Let's talk about moments. Why, Why big events and why moments matter, why they're important?
3: I think that they are important because they're about an individual relationship that draws you into that time and space, and you experience something bigger than yourself. And I mentioned this a little last time, And in those moments is a catalytic opportunity to answer God's call on your life, or maybe he's calling you to himself, whatever it might be. The reality is, is that these gatherings, while some people would say they are these big events and they just kind of come and go, they don't go for that individual that is in that moment in space that experiences something powerful through the work of God in their heart and their life. And that will happen at this event. We know that kids will experience a move of God in their hearts that will take them back to their campuses to do something that we aren't even called to do, but they are. And that is what is going to happen in a mass scale. And it's going to happen because of individual relationships that through this process that's being created by Claim Your Campus draws people in 2020 to gather together. And so I have seen this happen historically for the last 15 years. So for instance, it Together 2016, the number of people whom God spoke to and called to go live on mission, even out of that moment, isn't something that we could have fabricated or done. It was God answering our prayers and our faithfulness to say, we are meant to put on this significant gathering for this generation.
2: You know what I tell people about events, um, Sometimes you run in, every once in a while, you'll, you'll meet a cynical youth pastor or youth worker. You ever met one of those? I, you know, I've talked <laughs> to a few. I don't think they exist. <laughs> they're out there, believe me. And they'll say, well, you know, why why put students through this mountaintop experience knowing that they're going to come down from it? What I say is, the why do date nights? Why do marriage retreats? I mean, if you've been married for any length of time, you know that you need those moments in time, and those moments can fuel you into the future. And you don't live... Uh, off of those moments, but you're fueled by them. And that's why I think this this moment and this event for this generation will be important, because the campus is our strategy. We want a student-led prayer group at every school. That's why we're doing this event. There's a specific outcome. The moment matters, but we've been using the phrase, moments mobilize movements. We This moment with God on July 4th weekend will mobilize into all kinds of movements. You talk about some of those, but our our focal point is the campus. And so, Chris, we're, we're so excited you're on this journey with us, and we can't
0: wait to see what God does.
3: Yeah, me too.